I am Jen Page. If you don't know me, I am the co-producer of Black Magic Collective and along with John Parento, who is behind the scenes doing all the tech stuff right now. And um, he's, he's definitely like Oz. Uh, I'm so about, about me, why I'm going to host this particular panel besides being the co-producer is I am a director and a producer. I've attached to my seventh feature film currently that's in COVID limbo. I have directed dozens of digital series, music videos, uh, you name it, I've done it. And I have yet to pitch in any way that I think has been very, done, gone very well. So I'm very curious to get to draw information out for all of us that I want to know, that hopefully you want to know. Without further ado, let's do the art of the pitch. Our first panelist is the lovely and just amazing and beautiful and charismatic, charismatic and smart and all those good things, Kelsey Parker, Hi. Director of Talent Development at Comedy Central. Talk to us, Kelsey. Hello, guys. I guess, nice to see you all. <laughs> um, my name is Kelsey, as Jen said, I work at Comedy Central in talent and development, which basically means we run the gamut of overseeing all of our on-air original projects along with overseeing development. I focus mainly in animation and scripted. I worked on shows such as Legends of Chamberlain Heights, which is an animated show a few years ago, but with James Davis, and then most recently, Robbie with Rory Scoville, which is out now on YouTube. Everyone watch it. Uh, and season two of Southside, which will hopefully be coming soon. Woohoo! All right. I feel like we need an audience. We need to have like um, some applause, John. We got to get some uh, sound <laughs> happening. Uh, our next panelist is uh, Joey. I'm still, he told me how to say this. I'm probably going to still say it wrong. Joey Tuccio. Uh, he's the CEO of Roadmap Writers, and he will drop knowledge bombs about pitching that like will change the way you see it forever. Joey, tell us a little bit about yourself. Wow, that was a great intro, the last part <laughs> I just heard. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm the CEO of Roadmap Writers. I used to work at a company called Bold Films that did Drive, Whiplash, and Nightcrawler, and we are an online consultant company for writers, specifically helping writers with their pitches, general meetings, and the next steps after they wrote a script. Awesome. And you have your elevator pitch on yourself down. See, that's what that's what I, <laughs> I was like, what did I just say? <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, we have Adam Horner and Justin Jones, who are producing partners. These guys have raised literally millions of dollars for films. I love them dearly, um, but they are definitely, you know, known for debauchery. Adam, Justin, what? tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> Mr. Horner, great intro. Yeah. Hi, uh, my name's Adam Horner. I'm a producer. Um, we do a bunch of stuff together. We do features, TV shows, commercials, and music videos, uh, mainly focusing on uh, film and TV world these days. And this is Justin. Hey guys, uh, <laughs> Justin, Justin Jones, producing partners with Adam um, and some of our other colleagues that can't be with us today. Uh, but yeah, we basically independently raise money for projects, uh, primarily in the feature film and uh, sort of independent TV space right now. Um, and then produce them and, and then sell them to various buyers in the US and around the world. Awesome, awesome. And there's another helicopter. All right, well, welcome everybody. <laughs> um, hopefully we can gallery view and everybody can see um, each, everybody on the screen. I just wanna jump right in with some, let's get some fun stories out of the way to get everybody on the, in the audience either um, very anxious or very uh, comfortable. Kelsey or Joey, whoever thinks the one first, can you guys think of a time where there was just a pitch that blew everybody out the water or just something you know, uh, special happened or unexpected happened? Did anything come to mind? Yeah, I'll, if you wanna go first uh, or I will, it's up to you. I, I can go. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> one example, I guess, is a show I actually mentioned is Hood Adjacent with James Davis. James is a comedic comedy stand-up talent that we've been following for a really long time. Um, and this original concept came from him in his stand-up. He often said he was Hood Adjacent because he grew up uh, in Crenshaw, but also went to Crossroads. And if any of you are from LA, you kind of understand the juxtaposition of that. Uh, so he always said in stand-up, he thought it was really funny. And he kind of was taking some time to hone his voice. And he did a Snapchat series with us called uh, Swagasaurus, where he would explain Urban Dictionary terms, basically, <laughs> very quickly. Um, and as he was honing his voice, we started to feel like he was getting stronger and better at what his point of view was. And so when he came in and pitched Hood Adjacent, he just put the show together in such an interesting and compelling way. We've heard a lot of stories that talk about the juxtapositions of our worlds as Black, as black people and code switching. Um, but he was able to really define that in an interesting and unique way and then do it as a format show where we included sketches and stand-up and uh, like man on the street pieces. And so because he was able to combine all those different worlds and get his point across, we were very surprised with how well it worked and the season one was very successful of that show. So in that case, what worked a lot was just this incredibly unique idea. Mm -hmm. And just, I think also having a clear, very clear vision of the world and what he wanted this show to be. And he wasn't veering from that. A lot of times when people come in and pitch and they say, well, whatever you guys want it to be, we'll shift it to be what Comedy Central wants it to be. And that's not necessarily what we're looking for. We're looking for uh, what the creator wants yeah. it to be. And yeah. so those are the ones that always go really well. Awesome. Joe, you had one? Yeah, there was this one writer I was working with named Frank Ponce. And he, I sent him up in a meeting with Atlas Entertainment that did Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad. And he went in to pitch one idea. Um, but then what Frank did is what I tell my writers to do all the time is when you go into a meeting, you're a human first and a writer second. And to, he really embodied that. So he went in, he asked the executive questions. He did his homework. He kept it very conversational. So when he pitched his story, the exec says, not right for us, but what else do you have? And since Frank knew that a general meeting is so much more than just the pitch of one idea, it's just about building a relationship, he had something else prepared and it was an Evil Knievel biopic. Um, and long story short, Atlas um, picked it up, Universal bought it, USA is making it, and Mick G's directing it with Milo Ventimiglia. And awesome. yeah, and I like that story because I, I really want to urge writers that it's when you're going in to meet somebody, the expectation shouldn't just be that you want them to make your project or get signed, but it's you want them to consider you an ally and vice versa. So because it's so much more than just the script. That's great. Um, so then Adam and Justin, do you have a story of when you guys were pitching for a project and it just went horribly the other way? Well, yeah. you know, we, we sort of come from the other side of the table as Joey and Kelsey, you know, we're producers that package projects together to present to people like, you know, yourselves um, or financiers or other distributors. So the thing that actually happens commonly for us is, you know, we'll set up a meeting, we'll go talk to a potential financier, and then they end up asking us for money in the middle of the meeting as we're pitching a project to them. So you'd think that that's- That's uh, most of the time. That's most of the time, most yeah, the time. that's actually most of the time. So, you know, one little piece of advice is do your research on who you're pitching to to make sure that they're actually <laughs> capable of doing what you need them to do. So I would, I would highly recommend that, you know, across the board for anyone doing any sort of pitching. Oh my gosh. Um, let's talk, one of the biggest questions I get a lot in is attachments, basically. Like, how important is attachments? 
I know it's very different in film and TV, but I would love to hear each of you guys if having attachments actually helps, what kind of attachments you should have and what phase should you have them, et cetera. Any thoughts that you have? <laughs> Everyone's like, ah, big question, question, I know. I can it. dive in, I can dive in with that one. Um, I think it depends on the type of show it is. You know, for us, and obviously this kid, it depends on the network you're at and what you're looking for and what your mandates are. Uh, for animation specifically, which is something I focus in, attachments can help, you know, especially if you have like a good voice talent attached because we just always are thinking about how can we market this show? How can it be the most profitable? Uh, so sometimes that helps, but in scripted narratives, we often focus on launching careers and helping to, you know, build these people up and get them out into the world. So with that, if it's just a really interesting world, a unique story, it doesn't always make or break whether or not we're going to buy it. Producer, having production companies or producers attached sometimes can help, but sometimes can hurt if it happens to be a production company that we've worked with in the past and we didn't necessarily have a great experience. Um, I always often encourage people to come in with as few attachments as possible. And then if there are others they want to attach later, we can help them with that process. Because the more attachments you have, the less money you're actually getting back for yourself. So the return on investment shifts. That's really smart. And I just want to say too, what I love about places like Comedy Central is that you all are so focused on building the artist and building their voice and making a business around that voice. I think that's just so exciting for any up and coming um, artist to get involved with. And I say for me, like I work with a lot of writers that are, are starting out or had a, a career prior and trying to get into writing. I feel like sometimes they try to put so much attention to, to packaging too soon because um, it makes it to them, it makes it seem like it's more appealing to, to studios or to buyers. I've seen it hurt more than help um, because sometimes they'll get all this talent that isn't really beneficial. Um, so I would say when you're going out and trying to meet with producers, I would focus on the story more than anything. Get them excited about the story, and then you could talk about possible attachments. But I wouldn't necessarily lead with it, um, because sometimes when writers kind of lead with all like the surrounding things, it almost feels like a crutch. Like they're not kind of, they don't want to focus on the story because maybe they're not confident with the story. So I would say lead with the story. Well, and I know, Joey, you said to me um, that you're never the producer in the room. Like never bring, don't ever talk anything. If you're the writer, you don't ever talk about anything like you're the producer, which means attachments shouldn't even be on the table. Yeah, you're a human first, a writer second, and a producer 10th. <laughs> um, now, Adam and Justin, you have a little different flip though, because you go in with trying to get money, attachments seem yeah, to help. Yeah, I mean, in my experience, attachments help if they're valuable in certain positions. So if you have a name actor who is very valuable, things move a lot quicker. If you have a very good director who's very well credited, things move a lot quicker. Those attachments help. If you're attaching an entire cast and there's a whole list of unknown supporting actors and you know all that kind of stuff, that stuff doesn't help at all. Mm -hmm. I'd also yeah. like to throw out to you guys as well, um, the people who are actor writers or actor producers, um, they often are like, I wrote this for me to star in or for me to do this role in. What are your thoughts on, what's the point where they should just let it go or? stop pitching or it just, it just depends who you're pitching to and you have to gauge that realistically if you are viable for that position you know if you, if you are and you go in and you're honest and you say i'm attached to this role when it moves forward then great um and you know if that's something that is 100 percent locked in you have to be honest with that up front like you don't want to jump that on people later down the track so 
again, if it's a bigger person you're pitching to and you don't think you're big enough to be in that position realistically in that role, I would say take yourself out for that particular person. You know, we, we change our decks drastically depending on who we're pitching to. Mm. Um, and I think that's, yeah, that's the point I'm trying to get across there is depending who you're going to do the research on that person and tailor your pitch for that. Um, Kelsey, did you have thoughts on that from your, from where you sit in the room? Yeah, I, I mean, I absolutely agree. <laughs> less is less is more, you know, it's just like the two, you fall off five times fall into too many cooks issues mm -hmm. sometimes and even if you're multi-hyphenate and like i personally love multi-hyphenates who can do all these things you also have to make sure it's not being it's not at all detrimental to the project mm -hmm. you really want to star in something that you wrote you wrote a great script but you aren't necessarily the best fit for the role you'd be willing to let that go for the sake of the project yeah and a couple of things that i see is is whether they want to direct a project or act in a project i asked them like okay if they if the producer wants to see a reel of yours do you have any directing footage if you want to direct and they'll say no then it's like well then how are they going to feel confident so like go out and do a short show them some kind of reel and the other thing i'll say too and i've seen this happen a couple of times is that if you say you have an attachment make sure that it is an attachment not like you're just saying this because somebody was interested and you're saying it's an attachment. It's a small industry. I've seen people say this company's interested and then they're friends with that company. And like, I just requested the script. I'm not even read it yet. So just, you know, don't put the cart before the horse. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. Do not lie about attachments and do not over exaggerate your attachments. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, if you have an actor that's a friend and you're like, Oh, I know they'll do it. No, get them to sign an LOI and, and have that piece of paper before you tell, someone, you know, like a network, you know, like a, a financier that that person's attached because they will find out, you know, and that could just destroy that relationship or not only that project, but any other projects going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen that epically backfire from multiple people. Just don't do it. And for anyone yeah. who doesn't know what an LOI is, it's a letter of intent. Um, and also really quick audience people, let me know your, Get your questions going on why you came here. I want to make sure we're answering specific things on what you came to learn. Cause I know some of you are very experienced and some of you are newer. So I want to make sure that we're, we're getting those questions in. Um, so before we get into decks, because I know that's a big question everybody's going to ask, uh, let's talk about just being in the room. Like what, what should someone be like when they're in the room? Who wants to I, take that? Go I'll for say it, something really quickly. Is there was I saw I saw a panel once with the with the uh, creator of the Big C, and I feel like the way she summed it up was so so succinct. She said, "Don't be one of them. Don't come in and try to be an executive. Don't come in with a suit and have all the, you know and try to do people's job for them. Come in and be a storyteller." come in with no expectations that this is my, this is my time. I could quit my job. I hate my boss. Um, that's just going to stress everybody out. They can read like those kind of, those people a mile away, which is so much easier said than done. Like it's so much easier to say, do this and don't do this and don't be nervous and do this. But I generally feel when a writer goes into a room and they, they shut out the expectations and of, of like the, the finish line and just like, I want Kelsey to remember me. I want, I want these people to remember me as just somebody that is cool and easy to be around. That is, that should be your, your goal in, in a meeting. That's, yeah, a good, that's good for any general meeting too. Even if you're going to meet about being a director of something or whatever, Kelsey, go for it. Yeah. So Joey, you said this earlier, just be a human. I know sometimes it can be intimidating when like the suits on the other side of the table, 
But typically, in my experience, I've seen most executives usually started their career out either trying to be a writer, trying to be a director, trying to be an actor. So they've been in your shoes. And like, we know how hard it is to pitch and how intimidating it can be. But the people that stand out the most, the people who come in and are just themselves, and they feel very passionate about their idea and can articulate why they're so passionate about that idea. Um, Adam and Justin, you do most of your, I would assume, most of your pitches are like not at in offices. They're, are they more like... We're at a dinner or depends. at a bar. Depends who we're meeting. Yeah, it depends who we're meeting. I mean, sometimes if it's, you know, sometimes we want to bring people to our office to do the whole dog and pony show, or, you know, it's a, it's a dinner thing and we've got to wine and dine somebody. It just, it, a, it, it, yeah, it could, <laughs> yeah, a lot of times we're spending a lot of money on dinners, um, but it just, it just really depends on who the person is. How do you convert those dinners into cash for the film? Like, what do you think is one of the biggest factors? Uh, it's, it's, it's really good follow-up. It's making sure that you keep moving forward on whatever relationship you've established in that initial sort of contact. Mm -hmm. And so that you've, you, you jump through the hoops that you've sort of, and you lay some milestones. You're like, okay, after this meeting, we're gonna make sure that you get the treatment. We're gonna make sure you get the script. We're gonna send you our full budget or whatever it is. You know, you set up milestones um, so that those people can vet that you're serious. And then you can also find out if they're serious or not, at least in our world. Mm -hmm. you know, that's yeah. we, we set that up. Yeah. Um, here's an interesting one from Aldo. He says, how is Comedy Central processing with development given COVID-19? Are you planning to do more, less live action, more animation? Do you have thoughts on that, Kels? Yeah, so given the COVID, I mean, even outside of COVID, we just merged with CBS. So we have like been going through the typical shakeup of a merger. Um, which has been very interesting to navigate in general. But I think for our mandates across the board, they're pretty much the same. We still definitely are going to continue to create live action shows. I think you'll also see in the traditional linear space, more unscripted format driven things. So like your Tosh Poitos, daily shows, even Nathan for you, which is out in the world, um, but on the cheaper side to produce, we'll still be creating scripted things and we'll see where that platform will live, you know, uh, we have CBS All Access right now, so we'll see if those narrative shows live there or if they continue to live on linear. Cables, obviously, I personally think a dying <laughs> format in the way we present shows. We have to make sure content's accessible for people. Um, and then animation's always going to be huge for us. South Park's been on for 23 years, and hopefully it continues to go for 100 more. <laughs> but we also want to continue to make things in the animated space. So what can we find that can kind of hold the candle to South Park? That's like catching lightning in a bottle but also be one of those animated shows that have the 10 year long plus longevity. So here's gonna be, a, uh, well, Mark actually asked this question. I was gonna say the next question that people are gonna ask is, well, if I have a show, how do I get in the room with you? How do I get in the room with any of you guys? If I wanna pitch Adam and Justin, I, I have a movie, I wanna have you guys go try to find money for it. What, what's the best way to get into these rooms? Kelsey, you want to go first on that? Because I'm sure yep. that you, you get a lot of unsolicited emails you can't answer. <laughs> we do, and I can't accept <laughs> any of them. It has to come from a rep. So if you can, please get representation. And then I can hear as much as, <laughs> as my bandwidth will allow. But yeah, we always we only take things that are coming through representation. Yeah, and so if you're not repped, can they have a lawyer be the rep? They don't have an agent? A lawyer can submit it. We also have, uh, we have a, a submission form you can, a release form that you can sign. Um, but, and it gives us oversight, I think for about six months, but it's just a harder process to get in yeah. that way. So hopefully, you know, representation is the best way to go. We do have some, you know, like favors of friends where a friend will pass something along. 
but that's always just like an uphill battle. So I always encourage people to try to find reps or if you want to reach out, you don't have representation. We're also always happy to connect people. Like if I read a sample of yours and really like it, I have plenty of friends that are managers and agents who are always looking for new clients. Joey, how are you getting, you have a lot of writers you work with who are out pitching. How, yeah, are, they, you, yeah. how are they getting in rooms to pitch? So at Roadmap, we've had, um, we've been around for four years. We've had 118 writers signed to like CAA, Gersh, um, projects produced, um, writer staff, like on Netflix, Amazon, I mean, so on and so forth. And like Kelsey was saying, it's referrals. It's all about making sure, and, and, to, and I get this question all the time, because I work a lot of, with, I work a lot with up and coming writers and a lot with executives. And so why can't executives read my stuff? Why can't executives do this? I mean, it's such, I mean, for obviously for legal reasons, and also it just takes one writer to overstep a boundary with an executive and an executive will never open their door again. Um, that wide anyway, because it's just, it's just such a headache. So referrals are everything. And, you know, for roadmap uh, specifically, we're really good at vetting writers and making sure the writer is normal, making sure the writer has a, a brand and make sure the writer, we feel comfortable putting them in a room with, with a Kelsey or whoever. Um, and so that's kind of what we do. What are your guys' thoughts, Adam and Justin? I know this is a big question. Like, how, how do you guys get into rooms with, how, how do you, you know what, here's what I think people want to know from you guys is how are you meeting finance people? And then how are you? Honestly, it is straight hustle. Like, I have no answer to that. It's just literally, you know, we meet people out. We've had people referred to us. You know, we've had return investors, like, yeah, I mean, the, 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 we get that question all the time. Just yeah. like, you know, Joey and, and Kelsey get, how do I get into the room, you know, with somebody? It's how do we find someone that might be interested in financing something? It, it really is being open to new opportunities. Um, we were introduced to a large financing group that we had not known about that was new about a year ago through our insurance broker, you know, that, 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 that gives us our, our production insurance. So it really just is, you know, activating your personal network and, and really delving into the, all those worlds because someone you know probably knows someone that might be more involved in a film or a TV show, you know, in the financing capacity. So it's really just doing that legwork to, to find those people. Yeah, and I would say to that point, it's, and this is funny me saying this because I have no life, but it's about having like an active human life outside of writing because you never know what you're going to run into. I do animal rescue on the side and you never know who's going to be fostering a dog. By the way, if anybody wants a pit bull, email me. <laughs> Everybody has a lot of pit bulls outside right now. Um, but it's like you don't, it's about being able to show who you are outside of writing. And that's a good way to kind of infiltrate to get in front of execs as well. Because they know who you are as a human first. I Joyce spoke this earlier about having your reel ready, having, you know, samples ready, having examples of your work. I had these guys reach out to me over LinkedIn like years ago with an animated idea. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to answer something on LinkedIn. This is ridiculous. But they sent six episodes and they were all really good. And then we bought the show. <laughs> so oh, cool. don't give up. Try it. Make sure you have examples of your work, especially if you aren't able to go the representation route. Yeah, I think for us as well, like it's just all about always having material ready to go that's presentable in your back pocket at all times. So, for example, like I was trying to put a movie together in Australia with a writer director back there for almost two years. Um, and in the end, we, it just wasn't going to happen and we put it on the back burner. And then 
you know, I, we didn't really chat for like two years. And then about a couple of months ago, an investor popped up and he was looking for a very specific type of movie. And it, we just so haven't had all those materials ready from two years prior. So I whipped out the pitch deck, a script that was ready to go. And, you know, now we're finalizing the deal. And I, I guess I can't stress that enough, though, about having material ready. I've seen writers get so excited to pitch, 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 pitch. They pitch however they do it. The exec says, fine, I'll read it. Send it to me. They do. And then the, the writer says, okay, let me just do a polish. Two months go by. They send it. The exec doesn't work there anymore. The exec doesn't know who no. they are. Their mandate has changed. So make sure whatever you're pitching is ready to send at that moment. And I think one thing, especially for us as well, especially for the writers, like a lot of writers will send us literally just scripts and they'll be like, here's a 90 page, 100 page script, like go and read it. And we just, we, that doesn't happen. Like we do not sit there and read the scripts. Like generally if there's a pitch deck, I'll look at the pitch deck first and then I'll read the pitch deck and I'll see if the story's viable with the, you know, the attachments are viable, if everything makes sense, you know, and then, you know, if that all makes sense, then we might look at the script, you know, so have, that material ready as well as the script ready to go. And really quick follow-up, Judy wanted to know, Kelsey, is a, are you guys accept uh, submissions through talent managers or only agents and lawyers? And we accept through managers, yeah. Okay, great. Um, everybody's asking the deck questions. We're gonna get there, I promise. Give us like, I just wanna get there everybody else's stuff because I know the deck's gonna take us to the rest of this. <laughs> um, so when you, Daryl, well, when you refer to indie TV, do you mean YouTube or internet platforms? What have you guys? Oh, made? Yeah, I think I use that term. Um, some of the stuff that we do is sort of a reverse model of television production where we'll shoot the TV show and then go sell it. Um, you know, and a lot of that is with international co-production projects uh, where there'll be a, an international buyer that'll help finance a large chunk of it. And then we'll then sell the US rights after the show has already been shot, after we've already got a full season done. It's a very non-traditional model. Uh, but given there are so many new players in the world, um, that is a way to go about things these days. Uh, but that's a, that would be a whole other webinar in and of itself. <laughs> um, one other thing, I guess it was a follow-up to something we talked about, uh, being a, a, the attachments. What if you're aligned with a big production team or a director? I think you guys pretty much answered that and said if, it's, if they have the credits, then it's all good. Um, yeah, it, it totally depends. I know, like, uh, for an example, so Broad City was an FX uh, at first with Amy Poehler attached, FX passed, and then Amy had a relationship with Kent Alterman, who was our president, so she brought that to us because like no one knew who Abby and Alana were yet. And because Amy was attached, then we were like, yeah, we'll absolutely take a shot on this, and then Broad City turned into what it was. So it's not always bad to have attachments, but just be mindful of who you're attaching, if they're actually additive to the project or weighing it down. I love Broad City. Oh. It gets me out of all my depression, all, all my anxiety. <laughs> It is so good. I love it. So that's actually maybe one more question we could answer before we move in. What is the vibe you guys are feeling now that we have? Where do, the, the 2020 has set the world on fire to hopefully come to a better place. Um, do you think people should be really considering getting more of their comedy stuff, their feel-good stuff in order? Or do you think it doesn't matter? We're still going to always want drama and all that good stuff. Make what you want to make. Yeah. <laughs> like you know like obviously the state of the world should help to influence what you're talking about you know but like you got to write the shows you want to write what do you feel passionate about like we shouldn't be dictating that yeah uh, 
And I think, Jim, what you said too is that I love the way you said it. It's like so many people are like, I can't wait for 2020 to be over. I can't wait for 2020 to be over. But what you said was such a positive way of saying it is that we could use what's going on now and, and, and make a change for the second half of 2020 and, and all of, you know, so on and so forth. And just like use this as a way to change for the positive. On my side, like I feel like a lot of execs um, have a lot more time to read. Like we're getting a lot more execs joining roadmap and getting into the fold because um, they just have more time to read now and getting more writers signed and stuff like that. But to Kelsey's point too, I feel like just don't try to follow like a trend. I know it's so stereotypical to say, but because this will be over and then you're going to be still like behind the trend. So just be who you are. And I feel like a lot of times execs get excited about something when, when it's new and fresh and be unapologetic about who you are. And it's that kind of confidence really helps somebody, in, at least in my experience, be like, wow, this person's different. This person is not somebody I've seen before. So that was, that's yeah. Often, I'd also say like often being older within like, just like the basic concept are pretty much re be, being regurgitated because we have similar experiences. So girls, broad city, sexless city and insecure are all essentially the same concept, but mm -hmm. from different points of view and like what makes Issa's very specific point of view different from what Carrie Bradshaw's was, you know? beyond, you know, her being black, because that show is not just about her being black, right. but how do you take these stories and, and make them your own unique story? Because conceptually, they're all pretty similar. And I find a lot of execs at that point is, there, a lot of execs are looking for something that's familiar, but shown in a different perspective. Exactly. Something that they can grasp onto. I'm like, okay, I understand Broad City, but I haven't seen it in this kind of way before. Mm -hmm. And that is something that's easy for the exec to wrap their head around. They already know there's a market for it but it's also kind of tapping into something that that market hasn't seen yet to kind of shake things up. So I think that's a really good way of putting it. I think we can all agree too that stop writing the pandemic movie. Oh yeah, no, we're not buying that. We're not, <laughs> we're not buying your COVID comedy. It's not happening. Okay, we've got a million pitch deck questions. So let's jump into it. Before we actually, we have some things we can show. Um, let's just talk general wise, especially because we have TV land and film land here. What do we feel about presentations? Are they bringing decks in? Are they bringing props in? Are they like, what's the, what's the craziest thing you've seen that shouldn't have happened or worked? Just talk all things pitch deck <laughs> and, and maybe even pitch presentation. Should somebody come in with a found footage, put together fake trailer or a real thing they've shot? Does that hurt or help? Let's go through the whole gamut. Kelsey, do you want to take the, take this for the start of it? Yeah. I mean, we've, I've seen pitches in every iteration from people having a deck to like the first 10 episodes already written which I will say I don't think is super beneficial because then you're getting no you know, input from the network who would be buying your show. Um, we've kind of seen it across the board, but we also don't want something that's so thin we can't get a sense of what your show is if you just have a log line. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Again, it really depends on the show and who's attached to it and what they're trying to say and do. I appreciate having a pitch deck in the room so there's something for us to look at as well, especially if it's animated. How do we get a sense of the tone of the show, what it look like, the style, you know? Um, you want things that are visually stunning and can capture the eye. I would also say try not to be too performative. That's something that's always bumped us once we had a group come in all dressed up as Vikings and they screamed in accents at us for an hour 
and then did like a full musical and we had no idea what was going on. <laughs> so I always encourage people to just like, <laughs> but <laughs> did you pick up the show? <laughs> oh yeah, we bought it. Yep. Straight <laughs> <Green Lake. laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah. So it, you, you kind of get it. That's how you do it, guys. There you go. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and webinar. Yeah. A deck, a deck is helpful. Just have a very clear idea of who your characters are, where they're going in the first season. Um, what the world is and looks like and who those players are and then what the tone will be. Mm -hmm. I, I personally, I get a little nervous when writers go into a meeting with too much material because I feel like it also kind of feels like a crutch. Like here, look at this and I'll just sit back and like wait for you to look at it and you could ask me questions. But, or so, if you have too much thing, too many things going on, the exec will kind of not even be listening to you and just kind of gathering all their paperwork. Um, but it has to, I mean, obviously it has to be well done. Um, it has to be concise. It has to be visual. I've seen thousands and thousands and thousands of pitches. I've seen people in vaudeville makeup. I've seen people sing their, their um, pitch to the theme of the Brady Bunch song. I've seen it all. But the writers that I've seen succeed the most are the ones that can just explain their story with passion. And mm -hmm. that passion, more than anything, is going to be able to excite the excite the Kelsey's and the Adams and the Justins and they go to and they bring that passion to the next person the next person so it's really just more than than anything else is coming in and just being able to show why you're the perfect person to write this why you're excited about this and and get the person excited about it just by showing that you're excited because I see sometimes writers go in and it's almost like do you want to be here <laughs> you seem so angry to be here um or just kind of be nervous and let that ner the nervousness kind of bring them down a little bit um but yeah yeah i get the most excited when i you know can say okay so what happens season five episode three and they're like, this is exactly what happens. You know, yeah. you just yeah. know your your world forward and backwards. I've seen I've seen a writer pitch so excited, and at the end, the exec turned to me when the writer was gone, and they were like, I don't even know what she said, but I was she was so excited about it. I have to read it. <laughs> I want to know what she's so excited about. Um, I don't suggest doing it like that way, but um, it is that's first and foremost the most important thing. Now, on the deck side, where you're trying to raise money. You, there's no way you guys can't have a pitch deck, really. I mean, unless you're like, yeah, Tom Hanks is sitting at the meeting with me and he's going to do it. You have yeah. to have... Even then we have a pitch deck. Even then we have a deck. <laughs> and his LOI saying attached yeah. there in it, yeah. Um, no, I mean, look, on, on our world, the, the deck is, is one of the most key things that we create, you know, for our pitches. Um, and I think this goes back to the earlier points that everybody was making is know who you're pitching to, right? And what, you're, what materials you're going to take in to present we find that you know sending the PDF of the deck ahead of, before the meeting, and then bring one hard copy if if you want to have it as a backup, but then maybe having something on an iPad that you can easily show people. But don't pressure them to sort of get deep into the documents in the meeting. Use the meeting to communicate your passion about the project, just like everybody has been saying. And then you need to be prepared with everything else when they ask for material. So if it's a feature, you have to have your full script. If it's a series, you should have a, a show Bible and at least a pilot. I wouldn't go all 10 episodes. I agree with Kelsey 100% because where's the, where's the network going to give you feedback? But you need to have those materials ready for follow-up after the meeting. Um, and they might ask for it either at the meeting or a week later, but you need to be able to, to have it ready to send to them. And the last thing I'll say, and then we'll go into the pitch deck, is maybe just um, tangential from the pitch deck for a second, is I was doing um, a webinar with um, – a feature executive from Netflix in the animation space. And she says, whenever the person's done pitching, she asks them, what music do you think your main character would listen to? 
And if somebody, I'm not a writer, but if somebody asked me that, if I was a writer, I would just faint. I'd be like, oh my God, I haven't even thought of that. Uh, but, so it is about knowing what any potential question they might ask um, and not hiding behind the paperwork so much, uh, but really knowing your characters and the future episodes and every element that they could ask. Um, do you, any of you guys have, uh, pit, we're asked, what are your three to five pitch deck peeves? But do any of you guys have any pitch deck peeves? Like, someone stop putting this in your stupid pitch deck. We don't need to see this. Or it's like, no, put, what, put it all in there. You go. Yeah, no. no, there's a lot of unnecessary information that we get in pitch deck sometimes. Like, generally, like, the structure, like, you do, like, a very brief overview. Give us a synopsis. Maybe creative bios if they're, you know, attached and viable. Um, character breakdowns and then anything else interesting like if, if you're a producer like finance information and a finance plan and all that kind of stuff but other than that like we've had pitch decks come in where we've had like people tell us about like their sponsors and like you know characters that are like one-liners and stuff like that like you don't need to go into that much you do not do not list who your key grip is <laughs> you <Yeah>. know don't <laughs> Do not, you don't need to go into such an extensive breakdown of the crew attachments as well. Unless you have like a world famous DP, there's no point. Um, but the key thing is to just make sure it looks good. Yeah. And, and workshop it with your colleagues in the industry. Show it out. Get notes. And that's also the thing with our decks. Our decks are very, very visual. And a lot of the time, as Justin said, we walk into the pitch meetings with them in our hands. And when we hand them over to people, it's not for them to sit there reading it. It's for us to pitch to them while they're looking at the visuals. And we have mood boards in there and they really get a feel for what we're trying to create. And also we can tell them through our pitch deck that we really know what we're doing as well. You know, that's a question one. for you, Kels. Do you, do you like when people leave materials behind, like they leave a pitch deck copy with you or is it, you prefer just like not give me the pitch in the room and then get out? Well, usually we usually receive our pitch decks ahead, ahead of time. Usually people send stuff over, so we're kind of familiar with the project once we're going into the pitch, and they kind of extrapolate on what is in the deck. My worst nightmare is seeing a thick pitch deck, or if you come in with a stack of papers 20 deep, and I'm like, oh, God, you are going to break down every single <laughs> little thing that isn't really uh, productive to the product or what the show is going to be. Uh, so, again, it just depends on the show. Sometimes people, leave, like, they'll pitch, a, they'll pitch a great show in the room, and then they leave, they'll leave a leave behind, and we check that out, and then that gets us more excited about the project. Sometimes it hurts it. So it really just depends, which I'm sorry is so vague, but it, it is case by case. And, and one thing I'll say too, is I, I deal with so many pitches and I see kind of so many movements going on when like Trump uh, uh, came into office and gay marriage getting legalized, what's going on now in COVID. The one thing I'll say, and I don't know if anybody agrees with this, is sometimes I feel like when these big movements happen, all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, my script should be made because of the administration and my person's like Trump and because of what's going on now, it's time for my movie, it's time for my, my project. And sometimes it feels a little exploitative mm -hmm. of like the really mm -hmm. important movements going on now. It's like, it's not about your project, but it's about, what going on, it's about what's going on. So if there are parallels, make sure it's very specific and not just because, because of COVID, I'm gonna have a climate change movie, it's my time. Because it's like you're saying that and so are hundreds of other writers. So what makes your lens into your story parallel what's going on now specific? And make sure it's specific. Make sure it's authentic. Otherwise, it's going to feel very forced. Yeah, there's a lot of trends that come around where we'll all of a sudden see a ton of like vampire animated pitches. And then it's like mermaid animated pitches. Right now it's COVID stories. Mm -hmm. So again, like going back, how do you make it authentic to your point of view and your voice? Could you tell the story at any time? Because we're also considering the longevity of the show. 
you know, is this a show we can have on for five to six years, you know, that many seasons, as opposed to, is it just a trend that's happening right now? Vampires aren't going to be cool in six months. Does it make sense? Because it usually takes, you know, one to two years from the inception of the pitch to making the show. Right, right. That's a good point. Um, I would love to bring Adam for you to bring up. Now, you guys are going to show us a deck for pitching for financing, correct? Is that what you have? Basically, yeah. Okay. I mean, we, 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 like, we do different decks for very different reasons. So pretty much this is one that has all the pages in it. And, you know, if we were pitching to, you know, a talent, for example, we'd remove the finance pages and a couple of the other pages and then send it to them. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So, but there are similarities in what you guys, um, our audience will see that yeah, no, the, the Joey and Kelsey would want to see. Certain elements are removed for certain people. That we yes. um, so as they go through, Kelsey and Joey, feel free to add anything mm -hmm. in as you, you think of it too. Um, let's pull up something and just go through it because I know we have a lot of these questions about pitch decks. So this is one of ours that we are pitching right now. Um, which is a feature film. Can everyone see that? Yeah. Cool. Oh, nice. Audience, you guys have the pitch deck full frame? Yeah. I, well, they'll start telling us, but yeah. also- we'll, um, we'll, get some, we'll get some feedback. Yes, they've got it. They said they've got it. Great. So we'll just you know, sort of briefly run through this, right? So obviously there's a title page. You want to say what your project is called and feature film, TV show, simple and basic, right? You know, just, just get things going on. Then you go straight to a log line, um, you know, describes what it is, gets the uh, reader, whoever you're pitching it to, a sense of what it is and, and, and knows exactly what's going on. Then there's sort of a longer synopsis, um, you know, where you've got sort of more detail about the characters, about the plot. Um, usually, you know, we do it in, in showing the three acts, you know, in a feature film, you know, you kind of get the whole deal of what's going on. And we're going through this fast, guys, so you can kind of see it, everybody can comment. We love to go to character descriptions uh, next uh, before you sort of go into other things. So we sort of list who is uh, attached to the project first uh, that we can you know, prove with LOIs or whoever it is. Um, those that are, we're in talking to, we will then list you know, the, the main people we're in negotiations with. As you can see here, people that we would target for the role. And then below, we'll say who we're in negotiations with and who we're talking to. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Supporting roles in case there's other people that wanna be added in. We have a bio of our director, um, you know, Emmy award-winning director, uh, giant stunt character. This is a this is a stunt director. This is an action movie, so he brings a lot of added value to it. So we included that bio. Then we sort of list the locations that we're going to be using with some sample examples. It's shot in Chicago, in Abu Dhabi, and in uh, Bucharest, Romania. So just to give everybody some visual ideas of what's going on. Um, then this is on this this is something that would be taken out for anybody pitching to talent or even distributors, sort of budget and sales estimates. So we have sort of the top sheet of our budget. Um, we blacked out some things for obvious reasons. <laughs> so we have sort of the top sheet of our budget and then sales projections from our foreign and domestic sales company here, which obviously full lists of those would be available to a financing group. Um, and then a contact page, you know, with our, our direct contact info. So that's basically an outline of it. Um, Key thing is that make sure it looks slick and professional. You know, we, we spend a little bit of money on graphic design, which is important. Um, find a friend, find a student if you don't have a lot of money. You know, a lot of people will do these on spec to help you. Um, and a lot of this stuff you can even teach yourself how to do. 
you know, there's tons of YouTube tutorials on how to do Photoshop. So the key thing is really trying to make it look slick and kind of hitting those big things. Can you guys talk about, Joanna asked, um, can you give an example of why and how you might drastically change a deck because of who you're pitching to? I know you mentioned like you might take out uh, financials for an actor, but like what if you're pitching to, do you change it if you're pitching to one financial person versus another financial person or that's always the same? Go ahead. Adam. Yeah. I mean, so depending on where we're at, like sometimes we're approaching people for like a specific amount of money that we need to fill a gap or something like that. So in that case, we would add in their actual investment, sorry, the investment opportunity that we're offering. So we would add in a page about that and that page would be the page that would change from investor to investor. Like a mini term sheet that would go in after a financial summary so that the financier could see what terms we're proposing. Um, you guys can quit sharing the screen unless you have another one to show. And then, um, so looking at that, Kelsey and Joey, um, what could you add to that, that if it's a writer pitching more creatively to pitch their show um, as opposed to financially, what changes might you make or additions might you make to that? Obviously, you take out any financial, any producer stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing I'll just immediately say is seeing that one and then thinking of the Stranger Things deck too, is that the backdrop really does do a great job setting up the tone. It wasn't just against like a, a blank piece of paper, like it, every inch of that pitch deck did a great job setting up the atmosphere. Um, and I thought you did a really good, that was, that really helps. When I'm thinking of the Stranger Things one too, it definitely has a different atmosphere with the backdrop. Um, but yeah, spend money, you spend money on a pitch deck. I know it sucks, but a good pitch deck, you might as well not have any pitch deck if it's not well done. <laughs> so I was spending money to it. Like this pitch deck, like we, we took some, uh, a long time putting it together and it was for basically one specific pitch meeting that we had and we knew our target audience very, very well. We'd done a lot of research. And as soon as we put that in front of him, he opened up two pages and went, this is something we can talk about. Yeah. And it's also very visual too. There's not a lot of text. So people aren't going to be like reading a whole yeah. synopsis yeah. and like, you know, it's just the visuals do such a great job explaining so much that doesn't need to be written out. Yeah. The tone, tone is so important. And like the vibe of what the show's giving off. Like I like to walk away from pitches and close my eyes and be able to see the show playing out in my head already. And the deck does a huge part in making that happen. So definitely the color palette, what you're putting on it, if it's a darker show, you know, use those dark color palettes, but try to make sure it's not too busy because there's too much happening. It can be very distracting. Um, we all are people who are constantly distracted by our phones and such. So our attention spans are short. So <laughs> make sure it's concise and to the point. There's not a lot going on on the screen. Guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to just fire through some questions because we have about six minutes left. Um, one thing that always comes up is I've heard from, I want to say um, Catherine Hardwick said, don't use real actors in your pitch deck unless they're actually attached. Do you have thoughts on that? And I think it depends. You know, for animation, I like to have a moonshot idea of like the type of people you'd like to be a part of the show so I can get an idea of what it will sound like and who you're aiming for, same with casting your characters. If you say like, I'm thinking of a John Leguizamo type, that really helps me envision who is in the show and how those characters occupy the world. So I think it just depends on the show. And oftentimes I ask, you know, Moonshot World, who would you want to cast in this? And that's super helpful. So I don't necessarily always agree with that, but again, I work at a, very, a place that's very specific to point of yeah. view and comedians, you know. Adam and Justin, what about you guys on that question? I mean, we, we think it's, it's critical to list options, especially when you're talking to financiers. They want to know who you're going to go after. 
Um, but they have to be people that you can yeah. get. Yes. Like that's the key thing. Like no, there's no one that we list in our pitch decks that we can't go directly to. Or For our budget get level. To somewhere. Yeah. To a very, yeah, very realistic crowd budget level. And that's another thing I was saying to about like these sales companies and investors and stuff like that. Like if you put very realistic um, uh, casting targets that make sense for the project, it's another way of showing them you sort of know what you're talking about, right? So in that case, it can help, I think. And oftentimes like the network or the buyer can help you obtain that cast. You know, like mm -hmm. Abby and Alana came in and pitched an animated show called Mall Town to us. Lizzo wasn't attached, but we want a Lizzo. And then we went and got Lizzo. And then she fell through. And then we got Natasha Rothwell because we were just aiming in that space. And we knew to aim in that space because they said it in the pitch. And just the real quick, I think the answer is probably everything. Uh, but Adam and Justin, uh, Parker would like to know how much of the financial aspect of the business do you need to know once you get in the room, once you give the pitch, they love it, what's next? I would say you need to know everything, would you not? Yeah, yeah, if you're the producers, then you need to know your budget in and out because a financier, could, a financier can ask you any sort of question. You know, so and they will. And they will at some point. Um, you know, just like a writer knowing everything about their story and being able to, you know, go to the granular level of what, you know, music track the lead character is going to listen to or, or anything like, or what wardrobe they're going to wear. You know, we need to have financial answers prepared and ready to go if we're producing a finance, if we're pitching a financier. And I'll also say too, from the writer's side too, when you're going in to pitch, know, who, know, know all the people that could potentially be in your project actor-wise because the, the executives have an encyclopedia, a lot of them have an encyclopedia knowledge of all these different players and everything. So if you go in like, I know I never thought of that before. It's like to them, it's like you obviously should. And then one thing I'll quickly say is that if you're doing a Zoom meeting with an exec, which a lot of things are obviously at Zoom right now, have answers written down next to you. So if somebody says, yeah. who do you picture as the main role? Even if you know that character, you know Anne Hathaway, hands down, I think about her every day. When you're done with the pitch and you get asked that question, you might be in such an adrenaline rush. You might be like, oh, wait, it's, um, what's that girl's name? I forgot her name. Have it written down next to you and just glance at it like Anne Hathaway. Because do everything. Like, I do that yeah. for interviews, like resumes, do it for everything. Have a everything. build it, do it for everything. Yeah. Another great question for you guys. Uh, Michelle would like to know, is there a success ratio? Uh, Kelsey, it's probably a really good one for you. How many great pitches do you have to see to get to, get to the good one? I guess, how many pitches do you have to see to get that one yes? Oh, God, so many. <laughs> it is hard to make this stuff. Like, it's a huge financial investment. The budgets are millions of dollars. Like, it is so hard. I always encourage people to just keep pitching, pitch, pitch, pitch. You're going to pitch hundreds of times before you get that one yes, just do not get discouraged. Mm -hmm. When I first moved to LA, I remember my brother, he also lives and works in LA, told me, you're gonna have to apply to like upwards of 200 jobs. Like every week, you need to be applying to at least 50 jobs a week. And like, that's just how it is. That's part of the hustle of the industry. I know it can be hard and disheartening sometimes, but just keep going. That one yes makes all the difference in the world. And it, it'll be more disheartening if you categorize the success as getting a project sold. Because exactly. that is so, that's so, I mean, that's what everybody wants, but your success should really be, okay, can I consider Adam and Justin, uh, Justin an ally? Can I consider Kelsey somebody I could, you know, build a relationship with? That should be your litmus test for your success versus my success is I want to get this made. Because yeah, that is- There's a really a quantifiable ratio to it. Mm-hmm. Um, we are unfortunately out of time to keep diving into this. So um, all of our audience, uh, tomorrow, this video will be on the Black Magic Collective website and our Facebook. And 
on that video, we will have how you can reach each of these people via social media and et cetera to ask more questions. Also, if your question did not get, get answered and it, you still feel like a dying need for it to be answered, feel free to email info at Black Magic Collective and we will answer to you. Um, so I would like to, before we uh, announce our pick of the month for the film festival and show that fun, fun film, thank you so much to our panelists, uh, Kelsey, Joey, Adam, and Justin. Um, you guys are doing amazing things and you're helping so many filmmakers and writers and artists just live their dreams. And that's like, I just think that's so powerful. So thank you. And thanks for being with us. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you,